Welcome back, campers. This is Susan Check, your new camp director. This summer is going to look a little different. For one, Camp Director Chris is not in charge anymore. I'm sure the authorities will locate his body, <laughs> him, soon. Speaking of, I want every body accounted for this year. Know that this is my objective. Every camper who comes to Camp Wanaslea will absolutely be returned to their parents by the end of the summer. If it's the last thing I do. Although I hope it's not. Nurse Burke has offered to help me keep track of all you little rugrats and face huggers. And so far, as of day one, we have gone zero days without a missing child. But we can't wait for that number to increase steadily. We must be diligent. Now for today's announcements. Make sure you head down to the pond for a nature lesson with Dr. Ripley. The subject is newts and other xenomorphs. Sounds thrilling. And we've got hot dog soup for dinner and a special first day of camp dessert for everyone. Astronaut ice cream. Stay safe and stay alive. Hello, everyone, and welcome to season two of Bunk 237, a horror movie podcast. We're calling this one Welcome Back to Camp because we are back at the fictional camp that we invented to talk about horror movies, and it's season two. I am one of your hosts, Robin Zlotnick. And I'm the other host, Tuyet Nguyen. Uh, and our very cool guest today is my super old friend, but not physically old, old like in friendship old, uh, Nate Balding from Werewolf <laughs> Radar, the world's premier paranormal preparedness podcast. Find it out in the podcast editor or just wait a few minutes until it finds you. It's, hey, you can call me old physically, too. It's that is accurate. <laughs> <laughs> you know. No, but I, uh, it's just like if I call you old, then like I'm also old, and maybe we should just chill on that. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I like we're all you're, old. You're, <laughs> you, you've still got some spry years ahead of you. Mine are long gone. <laughs> left in the waste you know. buckets of time. <laughs> well, shit. Speaking of fucking old shit, uh, Robin, what movie are we watching today? <laughs> What an introduction. Well, <laughs> this is the first episode of season two, so we had to start it off with a sequel, obviously. So we watched Aliens. Aliens, the very creatively named sequel to Alien. I think it's the best. <laughs> I, it's, the, it's the best, best sequel name. <laughs> <laughs> Came out in 1986, written and directed by James Cameron, Je of see. course. It, uh... <laughs> It starts 57 years after the events of the first Alien movie. Sigourney Weaver is back as Ripley. This time she fights several aliens, hence the title. Oh, shit. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a major classic. So, uh, Nate, to yet tell me what your history with this movie, the franchise is, where it fits into your horror fandom. Uh, well, I just want to say, I, I, in addition to many things that James Cameron uh, basically pioneered in this area, 
uh, in this era, rather, uh, just breaking with the whole numbering system. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Al- already out of the gate, just on the poster or the movie box, depending on how you saw it, already you know that you're in for something totally different. Multiple. This, this ain't your granddaddy's part two. It's <laughs> just so more true. of the same, I guess. <laughs> I've reached a plurality of alien. Uh, I saw this, because when did this come out? It was like 86 or 87? 86. 86. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I definitely saw it way too young, because uh, my mother was a big fan <laughs> of science fiction and horror movies kind of in general, but especially uh, the Alien franchise was huge. Uh, she loved Ripley. Uh, I think that as a child, she more than once told me to get away from something, you bitch. Uh, <laughs> And like, wow, so this was like really ingrained in your childhood. There are scenes from this movie that, as a child, uh, woke me up startled in nightmares. Uh, oh man, so So how does how do you watch it now? What is like what happens when you watch it now? Uh, now, well, I I watched it last night, um, and I also got the extended edition. I don't know what the last one you guys saw was, the extended one is two and a half hours. Which is a lot longer than that's I remember like, it I watched being. the not extended yeah, one, and an it extra, was two hours and 17 minutes. Yeah, yeah it's, it's an extra so, 13 minutes. What's happening there? Uh, yeah, uh, although it, it really it, it flew by, frankly. Uh, so I recommend either one. Yeah. yeah. I feel similarly that uh, Aliens has been in my life, like my entire life, like the whole franchise. I don't know. I mean, it came out in 86. I was born in 82. Uh, it's... I just feel I've seen this movie so many times. I mean, the first one came out in '79. Yeah, it's just I've never known a life without the Aliens franchise. Yeah, no, this is definitely like it's an early, early memory for me, which is very (laughs) strange. I love that, but I'm also kind of sad. Like, yeah, did it? Were you scared of aliens? Was it scary when you saw it? Were you? Were you uh, like? Fuck yeah, science fiction. Well, I mean, I definitely saw it on VHS, so it wasn't. I wasn't in the movie theater. As a, uh, I guess I would have been gotcha. five or six years old. So it wasn't, you know, that formative. But yeah, no, there's definitely a, it's, well, I mean, I, I guess we're not going scene by scene. I can, I could spoil this thing. There's that oh, scene uh, in the like medical lab when the aliens are, they're coming in uh, through the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. there's that scene where uh, I, I, I think it's Hicks gets up there and he mm-hmm. shines that flashlight and you just see them crawling forward. I used uh-huh. to have oh, nightmares yeah. about that exact shot for oh, so man. long. That's a that's a good shot because yeah. I feel like that's pro- that's been recreated in so many movies. Oh, and it's such since. a crazy big reveal. Like, oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I thought about that as a horror movie thing where the character is doing something that you don't want them to do. Like you, like we all know as an audience, some like it's in this like something is happening. It's in this thing, and I. I watched when I was rewatching it this morning when he pushes up the little ceiling panel with his gun and then puts yeah. his head up like as yeah. a movie fan. Yeah, yeah. You're like, don't put your what head you up there. Come on. Yeah. yeah. It's it's as close as this movie gets to the, you know, don't open that door, don't go down those stairs. Right, right, that right. That you see typical of because a lot of aliens is, you know, kind of action blockbuster. You know, you mm-hmm. you want to see the space marines get in the APC and go invade the nest. Uh, to, as folly as right. that is. I was thinking about how did this, be, I mean, this movie came out in 86 and uh, watching it now, like, is this movie like one of the reasons that there are so many 
relentless action movies. Like it was a sort of an early uh, an early film where it was just like a nonstop thriller, you know, because I read uh, some reviews from 1986 from when it came out and all the reviews at that time period, movie audiences were like not ready for that. Right. You know, like people were nervous. It was uneasy. It was unsettling. And now we watch that and I think we're kind of a condition to it. So I like did did this ruin us as a movie audience to like need like big explosions and just like did it did it did it ruin us a little <laughs> it's bit? Possible. That's a good question. Uh, yeah. I mean, I made a note that like you don't see uh well you see the face huggers for the first time in like the lab tubes 43 minutes into the movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And this is an over two hour movie. And I just feel like, you know, people were surprised by the last hour of the movie. And I think that it's earned, you know, by the time that they're there, you feel like it's been building up to this the whole time. But I don't know that it would be made in the same way today. No, they would probably cut out the first act of this thing. Right. Uh, I I read a thing that said (laughs) that uh, apparently James Cameron, uh, because he was trying to get Terminator done uh, and Arnold Schwarzenegger apparently had to do the Conan sequel. So it was in the interim, he was working on the alien script and the thing he turned in was like 90 pages long and the first act had not been completed, Uh, but it got (laughs) greenlit just based on that. Wow. Amazing. White men, you know, (laughs) all that Cameron privilege. Well, I it's I did think about that and thinking that um, the way that Ripley as a character is written, I feel like when I was younger, it was like, yeah, a lot of a lot of cool moms liked Ripley because she was like a strong, independent woman taking on the whole establishment and taking on all the aliens. And like, I think watching it now sort of as an adult in the lens of everything that's happened in the last 30 years since then, like how much more we know about the way men write women. We're so aware of that now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um and, like, she is written in this sort of, I don't know, this sort of Tim Burton way where she's the only character. And all the other characters are not that fleshed out. They're not that well-rounded. They're all there just to serve her character. She is the right. only real person in this movie. Even, like, the other female characters. Ripley is kind of between Newt, like, the young girl, and uh, and Vasquez, the super badass. Because I think, like, when mm-hmm. men write women, it's either... They're super, they're kind of like weepy willows, or they're sort of these like super tough badass women, these one dimensional badass women that just like are so fucking tough. They can't fucking talk to men or people at they're all. They're basically, yeah, they're yeah. basically men. And so, in the way that they function. Yeah. Well, and there is kind of a thing too where they, uh, they kind of soften Ripley with, and I hadn't, re- until I watched it last night, and maybe it's only in the extended version, I hadn't remembered that apparently she had a daughter back on Earth who died two years before she gets taken out of cryo-freeze. Right. That is not like, in the extended or in the regular yeah, version that I watched. <laughs> yeah, they mentioned I, she, she... That's so interesting. She died at 66 years old. So Ripley can... And Newt is approximately her I, daughter's that age. That was my first question when she woke up and it was 57 years in the future. And she was like, oh, man, that was crazy. I'm okay now. And it's like, no, what about all of your friends and your family? Yeah. Like, don't you have questions? Like, <laughs> I had a question about this cat because she's like Jonesy. And I'm like, wait a second. Hold on. 
cats can't live that long. And I was like, the cat I, was I in the she, thing the, with yeah, her. Yeah, the, at the oh, end the of the alien, in the thing she, with her. she takes Jonesy oh, into the, into the okay. chamber. Okay, I had forgotten that. I was like, I had, <laughs> that I was, was just some superhuman. The one thing that cat. was like very unbelievable <laughs> to me was this fucking cat. <laughs> I like that she was smart enough to be like, you stay here. You're not coming with me. <laughs> It'd also be extra funny if there was some weird sci-fi reason why they could keep cats alive, but her daughter had to die at 66, presumably in some <laughs> yeah. sort of medically advanced future. where Humans should be living hundreds of years, maybe. So, you can cry as far as cats. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We're still trying to figure like it out. The addition of her daughter... I, like, I almost feel like that was kind of necessary because when she was, like, so automatically maternal with Newt, I was like, hold on, where is this coming from? <laughs> like, she doesn't have, you know, just because she's a woman doesn't mean she has to be, you know, a natural mom. But see, I think that's the way men write women characters is like, right. oh, all women are naturally maternal. But it would have made Although, sense yeah. to know that she had a daughter. And that would have been a really different movie if she didn't have that maternal instinct and was just a total bitch to Newt. <laughs> Right. He's right. like, this kid is fucking dead weight. You're right. Let's let's <laughs> drop her and do this spot. But on that topic, did we think that Newt was dead weight? No, she was telling her where to go the whole time. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, she... they, they don't get out of that, uh, the the lab invasion without Newt uh, leading right. them into the, into the tunnels. Where she, of course, gets yeah. captured like an idiot. <laughs> dead weight ass okay. fake daughter. Idiot, seven-year-old, or whatever she is. Fake daughter. Fake daughter is a really funny title for her. <laughs> until they until they came up with a name for her, just like fake daughter in the notes. Well, at the very end, she when she's reunited with Ripley, she goes, Mommy. And I was like, ooh, that's awkward. Yeah, that does seem like I a didn't little much. You call your teacher mom by accident. <laughs> Robin Zlotnick, one of the hosts of Bunk 237, a horror movie podcast. Our Apple podcast reviews are suffering from an affliction we call only being written by members of my immediate family. Help us rectify this. All you have to do is not be a member of my immediate family and write a glowing review of this podcast. Let's beat this thing together. Side effects may include remembering you have an iTunes account, watching too many horror movies late at night, feeling good about doing something nice, nightmares, and extra dry hands. Review us on Apple Podcasts today. Let's talk about the supporting cast because there's some real, <laughs> real winners in there. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, okay, Bill start. Paxton. Uh, Ooh, yes. Like, yeah. I want to make a note here that uh, on Nate's Zoom, he changed his name to oh, yeah, Thrill, Thrill Paxton. R.I.P. R.I.P. <laughs> seriously. He was so good. All, I thought he was great comic fun. relief. Always, always very fun. funny. The best and lines. And like, what a career. Because he was such like that like meathead doofus guy for m- several movies. Yeah. And then he like transitioned into like the Mormon dad nice guy roles. <laughs> <laughs> like when he got older. And it's just like, how did he do that? Uh, <laughs> you know? And then, uh, you know, he was, uh, he was a, a Cameron favorite. Then he was also in Near Dark. Also, uh, with the woman mm. that plays Vasquez, uh, by Catherine Bigelow, who I think married James Cameron after he divorced oh. Galen Hurt, or maybe they had been, I forget what their relationship was, but 
I think you're right they, about they that. They share a lot of uh, great cast people, actors, yeah, yeah. I guess you would call them. <laughs> uh, I, for Burke, the, like, right, I had forgotten that Paul Reiser was in this movie, oh. and right when he appeared on screen, I just wrote out, LOL, Paul Reiser. <laughs> <laughs> I love Paul Reiser so much. I do too, but he is a perfect scumbag. Oh, he's so good. What a fucking snake. absolutely perfect because he has such like a pleasant, like innocent face. He's like, I don't know. I just love money and I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, yeah. As the sort of like corporate guy that's just trying to fucking like catch a ride to finish off his life and be rich. It's like, oh, he's so good. He's He's so so good. good And he should have had more roles like that. In fact... (laughs) <laughs> I have a badge specifically for Paul Reiser. The Mad About Burke uh, badge. Mad About Burke! Oh, that's good. <laughs> I was going to guess good. it was Helen hunting down the aliens or something. Oh, that's oh, good too. That it, oh, my, the rest I of had... this episode needs to be Mad About You puns. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone go. <laughs> uh, I had a similar Burke badge. Mine was just LOL death to Burke. <laughs> you know what? I did not think that his death was as satisfying it's, as it could It have been. really isn't. Oh. I mean, he just gets, I, I guess you can assume that he gets his face ripped out of his. I guess you wanted to see more. Right. They were saving that. They were saving that for later. But I mean, he's like the most villainous <laughs> character in the entire thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, he's he's got no loyalties. At least the queen is trying to defend, you know, her hive, yeah. you know. The drones are doing the same. They're just animals, basically, uh, doing what animals do. Burke is actively trying to destroy the humans around him. I loved how the second that she recovered from the face-hugging incident, she was like, it was Burke. He did it. (laughs) Here's his entire plan. (laughs) I, I don't have a badge for this, but I did think about how Ripley is like the horror movie character that you want all horror movie characters to be because she is, she's smart. She's very aware. She doesn't fuck around. And it's like, you know, like as an audience, you're always yelling at them, but you know, Ripley would never do that. There's that scene where her and Newt are like asleep in the lab. She like, she wakes up and she like figures out that one of the, uh, the vials is broken and she wakes Newt up and she's just like, and immediately, like not not even a second. Oh, Usually, yeah. you know, in horror movies, they're like kind of like, "Ooh, what's this?" Um, but she yeah. right away was like, "Newt, wake up, we're in trouble." And yeah. that to me was just like, "Oh, hell yeah!" That is that's the character that I think we all fantasize we would be in horror movies. Like we want to be that smart. We're not probably, but <laughs> <laughs> well, it is kind of an interesting uh, like subversion almost of a final girl uh, archetype where you're like. Because the the whole reason that they bring Ripley on this thing is to be that person. She's there to tell them how right. to operate around this menace. So she, more than anybody, should be capable of just going, no, fuck this. We are not doing any of the stupid things that happened in the first movie. <laughs> I, I was in that movie. I don't need to do that again. <laughs> that brings me to my second badge. Which is the Ripley's Believe It or Not badge. Yes! Because no one ever believes her. And I felt like this throughout all of Alien and all of Aliens. And it's like, no, literally no one will listen to her. Oh, man. In that scene, like, towards the beginning where they, uh, she, she has to, like, present her case in front of the board or whatever. Yes! And they just, they're like, 
oh, you you destroyed all this company property and shit, like, and they're taking her pri- pilot's license away? Yeah. Like, and then, what do you think happened? Totally. Is there a then, record? It, like, in the, scene, in the scene, like, a couple scenes after that, when she is, like, uh, presenting, or she's, like, telling her story to the actual crew, and the crew, they're totally disregarding her, and Vasquez is, like, whatever, and everyone is just, like, they're just, like, I've never seen an alien, even though they live fucking in the future, but, like, <laughs> um, they're they're all disregarding her, and even, like, the superior officer who's, like, standing next to her, he just keeps saying, well, we have her report on disc. Like, he's not even backing her up. He's just, like, we have her report yeah. on disc, and it's, like... We're in the second... We're... Three hours, four hours into this franchise, <laughs> you know, and four nearly and sixty years. years. <laughs> yeah, like we say this all the time on this podcast, but we're like, yeah. believe, believe women, women in horror movies. <laughs> That's not what that saying is <laughs> actually about. <but laughs> oh, I gave this one the "We're all in now." Pull the pin badge. For best consensual dual suicide by frag grenade in a movie. Oh, that was so good. With uh, Vasquez yeah. and I think Lieutenant Drake uh, mm-hmm. was the uh, incompetent lieutenant's name. <laughs> uh, they're they're out of bullets. They got nowhere to go. Time to just you know I, yeah they, they was grab each other's hands. And... Alien. Yeah. Coming down that corridor. <laughs> Uh, the lady, do you guys know anything about the woman that plays Vasquez? I do not. Jeanette no. Goldstein. Uh, she has a very interesting career, and this is also possibly very problematic. Perhaps you thought Vasquez was played by a Hispanic woman. Oh, no. She was not. Oh, boy. <laughs> She's a very, Jeanette very white woman. Jeanette Goldstein does not sound. <laughs> uh, if 1986, you remember the film. you guys. <laughs> Uh, do you remember, uh, if you recall in Terminator 2, Judgment Day, the foster mom that gets stabbed through the milk and the face? Uh-huh. That is also Shane Jeanette is nodding Goldstein. his head vigorously. She s- went out for this role. Uh, it's her first movie role. Apparently she showed up. I don't know how she got to the casting, but she saw it was a movie called Aliens, and the character she was going out for was Vasquez. Mind you, she's an extremely white woman in Southern California. And she thought... It was about illegal immigration. So (laughs) she came prepared to play an illegal immigrant, somehow got hired. And there's a a moment. (laughs) Yes, this is 100% real. But there's a line in Aliens where Bill Paxton. Yeah, yeah, he says, she thought that they said illegal aliens and she signed on board. Yes. And I feel like that (laughs) must have been put in there. Because As... that's how she ended up getting into the movie. That's oh so funny. God. That was also the the action figure that I most wanted. Uh, was Vasquez? The aliens <laughs> Vasquez? action figures was Vasquez. Yeah, she's, you know, a, well, as a child, I did not realize that was basically a woman in brown face. <laughs> <laughs> she just seemed like the coolest character besides Ellen Ripley. Yeah. Right. Seems right. like now you could just get like a Barbie doll and put it in camo and a tank top. Well, that's what I did. <laughs> also, side note, why do they have camo in space? <laughs> that is uh, such a yeah. good question. <laughs> it should look like stars. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Cosmo camo. I have a I have a I have a badge to award to the aliens. Uh, the World Goth Day badge to 
all the aliens and H.R. Geiger for being just early pioneers of techno-goths and cyber-goths and (laughs) (laughs) just for like really getting in there with this sort of biomechanical kind of like aesthetic, you know what I mean? I mean, I, I, like a dork, I looked this up because I was like, what year did Nine Inch Nails' Pretty Hate Machine come out? And it was 1989, so just saying. Uh, Inspirational. Direct (laughs) influence. (laughs) I, I will say I uh, found out that H.R. Geiger was not actually involved in Aliens. Um, he yeah, was really so. mad about it, but he was contractually <laughs> obligated to Poltergeist 2. <laughs> he picked the wrong <laughs> sequel. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, Stan Winston and and James Cameron collaborated on the design and costumes and stuff for the Aliens. Yeah, massive puppeteering feat to move that queen around. It's like 20 crew members or something. And it looks great. That's one thing I I do need to say about this, because James Cameron, boy, loves his CGI. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I wish that he never got into CGI. Uh, The practical effects on this, I think, hold up. Maybe they wouldn't hold up on a big screen. I was just watching it on a television. Right. They still look phenomenal. I love the aesthetic of the way the future looks in 80s movies, you know? Like, I love mm-hmm. the sort of computer font and that all the computer screens are green. <laughs> like, it's all yep. like that. Right. Uh, and they kind of have touch screens, but they still have joysticks, too. I was actually thinking about that, too, while I was watching it, because there's a few scenes where uh, they're using weird little control panels and stuff, especially when they once they get to the planet, everything seems, you know, very, like, industrial 1980s, mm-hmm. early 90s kind of push buttons and, <laughs> yeah. and lights. But it doesn't seem out of character for a futuristic film. Right? Like you think, well, you know, they, right. they, they've got what, you know, they, I'm sure that they have to just scrap things to rebuild them constantly yeah. out on this far-flung world. Yeah. So, of right. course, everything's this old, you know, yeah. uh, analog industrial yeah, kind I feel of, like uh, when so you're true. terraforming, it's like yeah, right. the um, yeah, the loaders. I was super impressed and into those little like calling cards that they gave that she like sticks <laughs> yeah. in the card, and then yeah, it's the, just the, a video the future chat. tiger card. It's <laughs> <laughs> like that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to like the contraptions that they used and machines that they used, I have the. The three, two, one badge because James Cameron loves a countdown. There were so many <laughs> times a countdown <laughs> was being used for like suspense, you know, a suspenseful effect, and it worked every time. There was that scene when they're in the ceiling and Bill Paxton is kind of like, you know, they're ten meters away. Oh nine, yeah, eight, and then. At the end, when Ripley's going crazy on them, and you see the countdown of her ammo going down, yeah, you know, oh. and the, they're like, the there were guns. more. Yes. Well, there's also just the uh, the pings of the radar. Mm-hmm. I feel like carries the tension. Uh, so you know, well. there's a bunch of great sound cues and big stings, but those pings. I mean, it's almost mm-hmm. like uh, it's almost like the Jaws score. Oh, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah. Totally. Bing, and I can bing, hear bing, that. Bing, yeah. bing, 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 bing. That's such a 
smart, like, but really simple way to build tension without before showing the monster. You know, you know, you know that there's an alien, you know, from the title that there are multiple aliens. So you're just sitting there. You're sitting there. Yes, totally. And you're listening to Ripley tell everyone there are aliens. (laughs) And and everyone not listening to her. Speaking of Ripley, I have another one, which I just realized is another, like, music-themed one for some reason, (laughs) because this movie reminds me of it, was was the the Wicked Firestarter badge to Ripley. Because even though it's, like, in the future, they have technology, they Mm -hmm. have guns, it's sort of, I think, I think it's, I think it's, um, I think it's an interesting move that the main thing that kills them every time with these kinds of creatures is always fire. It's always fucking fire. Well, I also have the note, acid blood is a real bummer. Because, <laughs> like, even if you kill them, like, you got to run out of the way of the blood <laughs> <You're totally. laughs> before you get totally ruined. You're just like a cherry on top of a shitty, <laughs> shitty cake, you know? <laughs> my, this is my last badge. The 10-minute warning badge, uh, which goes to Bishop for getting killed oh. in the last 10 minutes of the movie and not just yeah. killed <laughs> but fucking torn in half and I love a last last scare. You're like, "Wait a second. This can't be just wrapped up so neatly neatly like <laughs> right, this." Right, right, right. Um, I had a similar badge as the uh, Android Redemption badge cuz in Alien the the android is evil, right? And then you know, Ripley's real skeptical of yeah. Bishop up front. Yeah. And he turns yeah, well, those, out to be a those real good... two models always yeah. were a little bit <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. But I also loved how he got ripped apart and then they, like, stayed on his disgusting, like, milky yeah. innards. Also, again, like, such <laughs> While cool... Newt was giving him a hug oh, and just getting it all on her. effects is excellent. And yeah. I do like Bishop's return, in, like, later on in the franchise when he is still half a body. I, I always thought that <laughs> oh was... I always thought that was a fun thing later on. Yeah, that is, that is the most gore in Aliens, is Bishop's yeah. death, vomit milk oh yeah and there is something grosser about that milky white substance (laughs) yeah right blood right like blood is like cool i've seen it but something about this like gross android liquid that's like yeah because you can just feel how thick it is (laughs) yes i think i was also like imagining how it must smell i don't know (laughs) oh yeah there's no way that that's good it's it's old oil or right right like, We've also seen so much alien acid blood. You're just worried, like, what? What is in Bishop's blood? Something weird. Right, like, this, is, right. this is also bad to the touch. Right, it's getting right. absorbed into your bloodstream immediately. Yeah, and uh, his guts were like a mix of like so- things that look organic and then like tubes. You know, also tubes, just like yeah. just so cool, <laughs> like so cool, <laughs> so fucking gross, and like. I've seen this movie before, but rewatching it, like I kind of forgot that scene. And so, like when he gets like stabbed through the chest by the little alien tail, I was like, "Oh my god!" And then just that, like, oh, that fucking oh, she rip. rips him apart. Yeah, that was like it <laughs> got it so got me brutal. again. It got me again. <laughs> and he's like a you know he's a robot. You, <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> never mind. I'm not he can deal. Into it. <laughs> We did not talk about Ripley's hair, which is incredible throughout the movie. I love her hair. And then at the end, when they're finally safe and they're on their way home or whatever, 
Shane turned to me and she's like, and I was like, oh, she had time to get a perm before heading home. <laughs> so it's like three inches taller than it was. Um, Nate, do you have any other badges? Uh, this one might take a little bit of explaining. Uh, I'm giving this the October Revolution badge because I believe you can see this movie through a communist lens. Ooh. Very interesting. Yeah, please start. All right. So so Ripley, our hero, laborer from a a, a, a mining ship in the first movie. She's our proletariat hero, right? She's, you know, just pounded down by the corporation. The corporation's after her, Burke, this capitalist monster who's trying to entice her back and he's like look we can give you your license back all you got to do is do this little job for us you got to come in with the military that the capitalists own to go and try to fight this weird imperialist hive right there the capitalists want to destroy the monarchy and they've got this proletariat hero trapped in the middle and what happens when they send the military in the military doesn't do shit they're not prepared for this they're not ready for this who knows how to fight the aliens the proles who have been on the goddamn ground from the beginning the laborers who put in the work in the first movie they're carrying all the knowledge right so the military there they get kind of fucked they she immediately is like you know what capitalist burp eat shit you are the real monster here uh, she literally says, I don't see them fucking the, the, uh, everyone over for a percentage, right? She eschews the capitalist system. Now she has to deal with the monarchy. She's got Hicks on her side. Hicks, it should be noted, at one point, his armor gets all acidy up. He takes it off. Now he's on her side. He's, a, he's the military who's dropped himself down to the proletariat to help with the actual struggle against the monarchy, against the queen who must be deposed for them to continue and give this knowledge to Newt, the little, the character that has never been touched by the capitalist forces. She can carry on the, 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 the communist uh, uh, ideology in the future. And when Ripley does fight the queen, ultimately, what are, what's her weapon? It's the power loader. She's using the tools of her trade to topple the monarchy. Oh my god, Nate, that's incredible. And You're 100% right. You are Holy absolutely shit. right. Anyone that calls this like, oh, <laughs> yeah, we got I'm sorry. We're fucking, I'm clapping for this. Holy shit, yeah. Uh, yeah, anyone that calls this a fucking war movie or an allegory for Vietnam, like, no. <laughs> no. Um, J- James Cameron did pitch it as Vietnam in space. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Nate, for coming on yes. and talking to oh, us about thank aliens. You for, thank you for having me, and thank you for giving me another reason to watch this movie. It's been a while since I've seen it. Yeah. Oh, so fun. Yeah, same. And it's a very good movie. It's like, I, it's such a fun movie. Yeah. It's still really good, really engaging. Ripley's really cool. Like, the aliens are fucking cool as hell. Like, I... It's a I love I really I really enjoyed watching it's this movie again. Fun. I was I, I was thinking about that while I was watching it about how there are no there's no missteps in this thing. Right. There's no wasted space, uh, especially like once it really starts picking up, uh, like it's you know it is nonstop. Yeah, yeah. Like there's not a not a single line of dialogue, even a line of Bill Paxton dialogue that feels like he's just <laughs> saying shit on set. No, yeah. It's there all, was one really, 
really L.A. joke that made me laugh when they were in that, like, nest place. And one guy was like, man, it's really hot down here. And he goes, yeah, but it's a dry heat. (laughs) (laughs) That's very good. That's very good. Thank you so much, Nate, for coming on. Is there anything that you want to plug? Tell us where we can find you on Uh, the Internet. There is a podcast that I do with my friends Jordan Dahl and Roger Norquist called Werewolf Radar. It's the world's premier paranormal preparedness podcast. If you like ghosts and monsters and aliens, actually the entire month of January we did alien uh, stories. Um, True-ass true alien stories and encounters, you know? Uh, we, we do joke about them, but uh, we come at it from a serious angle as if we believed all the... Th- crazy shit that we're talking about that comes out every monday then we have news that comes out every friday and if you join our patreon we've got grave nuggets full of extras for you uh we play twitch games every monday at two mountain time if you want to jump on uh, we play horror games it's very fun you can play with us if you would like uh that's the twitch.com slash werewolfradar or go to werewolfradar.com for a bunch of other stuff or just go to your pod catcher and search werewolf radar and you will find all of your paranormal preparedness needs Bunk 237 a horror movie podcast stars yet when and robin zlotnick is the final girls of bunk 237 and introducing Alex Skoke as camp director Susan Jack. The show is produced by me, Shane Segretti. Our theme song is written and performed by Dan Zlotnick, and our outro music is written and performed by Alex Slasher. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and it may be featured on an upcoming episode. Have a badge of your own for this movie? Follow us on Instagram at bunk237pod and Twitter at bunk237, and let us know. If you haven't already, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are downloaded.